Let's say a quick prayer before we get started then. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our trespasses for we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I didn't even know I was going to do that. That was just for some reason. Yeah, I don't know what that was, but for some reason that seemed the place to go. So, All right. Sounds good to me. Um, yeah, so uh, I think... Hey, are y'all going to introduce yourself? Yeah, we will. Uh, <laughs> he, he wrote the outline. We're, we're following his outline. Um, so I, I wanted to actually start because um, before we do introductions, that kind of stuff, um, I think Kevin Colvett a few years ago started a tradition of opening some classes just talking about kind of current events in science. And so I kind of wanted to um, carry on that tradition a little bit. And um, just to kind of give context for where we are in the world, what's happening in history, that sort of thing. So I'm going to start with something that's not uh, cutting edge current events, uh, stuff that's happened in the last year. So um, uh, in uh, July 12th, uh, 2022, the James Webb uh, Space Telescope started sending back um, photos and NASA started releasing them. So these are just a couple of, of um, the photos that they sent back. And as we go through this class, we'll probably get into more edgy stuff, but I kind of want to start with this big picture. Um, so this is um, an area called the Cosmic Cliffs in the star-forming region of the Carina Nebula. Uh, it's just got a lot of detail. Um, James Webb Telescope exists in part to help map the universe and understand how stars actually form. So this is uh, one of the first photos they showed us. Uh, this is another one. Uh, this is called Stevens Quintet. Anyone recognize this? Uh, this uh, featured prominently at the beginning of the movie It's a Wonderful Life. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. So no, so this is a set of galaxies that were talking angels in that movie, and so now we've got some uh, some more detail on that, and um, and then finally we've got um, some images of the pillars of creation. So that's what Hubble gave us, I think, back in 1995, and then this is what um, the James Webb Telescope was able to see, and you can see the level of detail that we've got there now. You can see these areas uh, that look like lava. These are where stars are being actively formed. So anyway, this is um, kind of uh, just, just to kind of give us an idea of, of the cosmos and the kinds of science that people are doing right now. So um, I wanted to start with, uh, with this. Daniel, you want to read that off? The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth. Their words to the ends of the world. Um, yeah, so there we go. There's our, our opening uh, meditation. And uh, so uh, Daniel and I, I guess we'll introduce ourselves. So Daniel? I'll go first because my introduction is much shorter and much less interesting. <laughs> For those of you who don't know me, my name is Daniel Mangrum. My family uh, joined Otter Creek, I believe, in 2018 or 2019. I can't remember exactly which. Um, we, uh, I call Dixon County home. Uh, that's where my parents are from. But I've spent a 
probably the majority of my adult life actually living abroad. Um, after my undergraduate, I went to Ukraine for a while. That's where I met Jerry Collins. And um, after Ukraine, I lived in Memphis and then went to Moldova. And then from there, I spent 18 years uh, in the Middle East in the United Arab Emirates. So we've only been back in the U.S. about five years now. And uh, we joined OC. And I got involved with Fletcher's encouragement in the uh, Faith Matters class that met pre-COVID on Wednesday night. And uh, with Micah and one other guy, Justin Weaver, we basically have been co-leading that class since 2019, about pretty much since I showed up. And then um, we're still meeting online. We went, we went fully online and pretty much still are. And uh, that's my connection to OC and that's my involvement with the course. So Daniel's also, um, uh, I don't think he would describe himself this way, but he's an avid uh, student of what I would call cultural apologetics. And so um, I think that'll be helpful here, thinking about how people are forming meaning in our current world. Um, so I'm Micah Redding. Um, I am a software developer by background. Um, I've been at Otter Creek for maybe 10 years, something like this. And my wife, Emily, we have a kid now uh, as of, as of a, a little over a year and a half ago. And uh, so we're here and um, are thinking about the long term. We already you know, put our kid in the nursery and so forth. So I'm 18 years down that, that uh, tunnel. Um, so uh, the, the other things that um, I've done for the last 10 years, I've worked with the Christian Transhumanist Association to cultivate conversations between the leading edges of science and technology and people of faith. And so we've done that. We've um, been able to participate in a lot of secular spaces. We've put on conferences at Lipscomb, kind of gone around the world doing, um, doing this kind of dialogue. Um, and then recently I completed a master's from the University of Edinburgh dealing with science and religion and particularly the role of faith and religion and religious reform in the scientific revolution. So we'll probably get into um, some of that stuff in the class. Um, so I grew up, just kind of like going deep background, um, I grew up in the Churches of Christ as a preacher's kid and I grew up in a bunch of small congregations all over the country and um, and I had a really, uh, in many ways, a really profound and compelling experience growing up in that. Uh, I also then graduated, went to Fried Hardeman University, where I met my wife, was fourth generation Fried Hardeman graduate. So this, is, this has been my, my context. Um, and growing up in the Church of Christ, I was taught um, two big things that ultimately kind of ran into conflict with each other. And the first one, that I was taught to study for myself. This is what my teachers, my parents, my grandparents, everyone around me told me. I had to study and make my faith my own. Like I couldn't just rely on what was handed to me. I knew that my parents had done this. They had studied and changed what was handed to them. They came to a different understanding. And so had my grandparents. So had many people in my tradition. I understood that this was our tradition is actually studying for ourselves, coming to understand. And so I took that really seriously and 
um, from a very young age, I felt like I needed to study and understand um, uh, much to the chagrin of some of my Sunday school teachers. So I, um, I, I thought I needed to understand the Bible. I thought I needed to understand theology. I thought I needed to understand science and technology and philosophy because this was God's world and it was tasked to me to study it for myself and come to an understanding of what it actually was like. So that was one thing. The other thing that I was told or handed by um, my context is that virtually everyone around me um, believed and taught and stated that consensus science was fundamentally wrong. Like not just in a simple error, but in a fundamental way was completely broken. Right, because consensus science said things like the universe is 13 billion years old, the earth is four and a half billion years old, life is some multi-billion years old, humanity is some several hundred thousand years old, these kinds of things. And uh, the Bible, as we understood it, said that all of those things were less than 6,000 years old. So that meant that consensus science was not just in error, but fundamentally broken, right? It either was that something was so wrong about science at the root of it, that you really couldn't trust anything it came out with, or it had to be that there was some kind of massive, all-consuming, pervasive conspiracy of science and scientists to hide the truth about God. And I heard both of those things. But if you think about those things, either one of them is deeply, deeply terrifying. Because consensus science has been incredibly successful. Right? Consensus science put people on the moon. It sent probes to the far reaches of our solar system. It um, it scans the, the sky, it scans the heavens at a fundamentally deep level. It picks up ripples in space-time. It watches light bend around stars. It puts hundreds of people in the air hurtling through clouds, drinking martinis, complaining about the Wi-Fi. It puts satellites in orbit that are so precise that your car can make its own directions home. Right? These are things that science does and if science is wrong about all of this stuff, then next time you get on a plane, you should rethink your worldview, right? Like, why do we know this is not gonna plummet out of the sky? If they are so wrong about everything, everything we live in and live around is shaped by this idea, the way that consensus science thinks about the world. So this is a problem. Right? If you think consensus science is a conspiracy, or if you think consensus science is just completely broken, then this is a problem for how you understand the world. And so this was a problem for me, because I needed to study, I needed to understand, I couldn't just accept what I was handed. And yet what I was studying and what seemed to be the case to me is that science was actually on the right track. And so I had a conflict. And that conflict from the age of 11, 12, um, started to be a real challenge to 
And so I started reading scientists, I started reading people who, who struggled with this, and I started wondering if I was going to become an atheist, because it seemed like everyone who was studying this stuff was becoming atheists. So I, I've watched people grow up in this environment, and I've seen um, a number of different trajectories play out. I think, you know, for many people, it's okay to not study for yourself, not really think through these things, not worry about the conflict, and maybe push it aside. But if you're growing up in this context, growing up with those things, eventually this comes for you. Right? Eventually this shows up. And so I've seen um, these kind of three outcomes. One is that people uh, growing up ultimately decide there's just a conflict. Faith and, and science are fundamentally opposed. And um, a few of the people who come up with that will say, well, I'm choosing faith. I don't, I, I'm just, forget science. I'm, I'm going to um, move ahead. Most people will not do that. Right? Most people who think there is a fundamental conflict between science and faith are going to say, well, which of these uh, works? Right? And, um, and science has a lot going for it in that department, right? And so I've seen a lot of people take this tack and eventually give up on faith because there's a fundamental conflict here. We can't resolve it. Um, especially in recent years, I've seen another approach. And um, this is where people begin to understand that, okay, well, faith is actually maybe doesn't have to conflict in this way. There are better ways to understand faith, understand scripture. I can think about um, context, I can think about audience relevance, I can think about genre, I can think about symbolism, I can think about all these things, and that can help me understand and re reconcile that conflict. But um, that reconciliation, where you just say, okay, science and faith aren't in conflict anymore, often leaves people with another question, which is, well, why is faith still relevant, right? Because if science can show me the universe in such a deep way, if science can show me things that provoke awe and wonder and even worship, if science can cure diseases and heal my broken bones, maybe even mend my broken heart, if science can show me where I'm coming from and where I'm going to, then why do I actually need faith? Maybe these don't conflict, but maybe they're drifting in two separate directions. And so you get people who don't necessarily reject faith, but they actually are left with a kind of uneasy relationship with it. And they might ask questions like, why should I still be Christian? There are conferences with that title for people who are struggling to understand why. Like, I, I don't have to throw this out, but I don't even know what it's doing anymore don't know what purpose it's serving in this modern scientific world. It really seems like other things can carry that weight. So that's another trajectory I've seen. The third one um, I've seen, and this is uh, the category I fall into. And this is um, that I've seen people who come, who struggle with these tensions, wrestle with these questions, and come to see that science is not actually something just outside of conflict, it's not just something that 
that doesn't contrast with faith. It actually is, um, in some sense, deeply embedded in faith. It's actually part of how faith works. The, the, the worldview that God and Scripture hands us has science at the center of it. And when we accept that idea, that science actually has this significant role in the life of faith, then science stops being something that poses a conflict or poses a tension or poses this question of relevance, and it becomes something that actually starts to inspire and deepen and strengthen our faith. And we see it as part of the revelation of God. We see it as part of the image of God in us and how we play that out, part of our relationship with our creator then science becomes something that actually anchors and roots our faith and shows us what faith has an incredible significance in the future um, and in our current world. And so these are the three paths that, that I've seen um, to just buy into the idea that there's conflict fundamentally and then choose which direction you want to go, to um, buy into the idea that maybe we can resolve it, but it still leaves us with this issue of relevance. or to buy into the idea that science is actually deeply connected with faith in a real significant way, and to find that science strengthens, deepens, and enlivens our faith. And so that's, that's the, the trajectory that I'm seeing in the world, some choices. And when I think about the context that I'm raising my, my kid in, right, I'm thinking about like what kind of path do I hope that he's able to take? what kinds of resources are going to be available to him, and what, um, how is he going to play through these things. So this is the, the objective. So what? Did he draw those pictures? <laughs> uh, I didn't. So these are actually pieces of art. Some of the other things in here are AI uh, generated. <laughs> um, but yeah. I, had, I asked him, I, said, I walked in and he had it up and I said, that's AI, isn't it? He goes, yes. And I said, you want to tell him? And he said, yes. Before we go to the objective, yeah, yeah. Um, don't wander off because these are questions for you. Okay. One of the things that happens a lot when we have conversations like this, um, and when I guess like this I'm talking religious conversations or philosophical conversations, we say words and we all think we understand, that, or we're all using the same meaning of the same of the word. And so I'm listening to him talk and I'm thinking, okay, what's the definition of science? What is science? Um, some people hear science and they rankle, especially if it's, which, which are you? Are you in favor of science or religion or faith? Well, faith. Why do we choose the word faith and not religion? I mean, it, that's, there's a purpose for that. There's a reason. And I don't know what it is necessarily, so I'm going to ask him to explain it to you. Um, but these are some terms that we're using that I think you should define for us. Mm, okay. So that we're all pretty much on the same page. Yeah. Um, so... I, well, I kind of want to hear like what what they think. Like, what would you say science is? What's that? <laughs> yeah. Dodge that one. Do you think the religious and civil authorities of when Copernicus and Galileo came up with their discoveries were imprisoning them and keeping their thoughts from being heard because? They thought they were lying, 
or because they knew they were telling the truth and they thought it would be a uh, a disruptor of faith because the sun did not revolve around the earth, but it was the other way around. Um, there, there's a lot of complex history there. Um, yeah, so we, we should probably c come back to, to that. Because um, that is, uh, I do want to get into the history of the scientific revolution and spend some, some time talking about that. And Galileo um, uh, particularly is, is part of that and also part of the kind of the lore, right? When we talk about science and, and religion, uh, people on the the non science or non non faith side really like to point to Galileo, right? Because that seems to be where these, you know, obviously faith was on the wrong side of, of that. Yeah. Uh, I think if you look at that, it's a power struggle because the church controlled everything, and once it it slipped out of their hands, there there was only one direction they could go. <coughs> um. Any any thoughts about like what science actually means? Yeah. The first thing that comes to mind is using the scientific method, which yeah. I'm, I can't remember off the top of my head all the elements, but sure. like some some sim systematic method yeah. of trying to understand the world. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. I see faith as a relationship mm -hmm. um, with with God and with each other, yeah. whereas religion to me more is well, because you're looking for the truth, I think. I mean, right, you're looking. Science is the truth, and, and so I, I love the potential conflict from that statement. Yeah. Right? Um, but it's search for the truth. Yep. I like that. Well, I was saying, it's right here. Thanks. Right, so te testing hypotheses, right? Like, so, um, yeah, so evidence has an interesting role there. And there's some different, I, I, I'm hearing something there, which um, a distinction, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the, okay, that's right, yeah. So. Right. Yeah. I, I would make the distinction that just like, I wouldn't say science is truth, but it's a, a, the method to like try to find what's true. It's, it's a process. process and yeah. like it isn't true. Mm -hmm. so. And the point of that is to understand what is and has been to 
improve towards what I like that. Improvement. Yeah, I think science and faith both have kind of an, uh, a basis. And for me, it would be an evolving understanding of what the universe is. Yeah. And, and faith and science both share that. Yeah, so something interesting there, that science is continually updating its, its view of the world, right? So we saw the, the Hubble uh, version of the, the pillars of creation, and then um, James Webb's version of the, the pillars of creation, and there's some difference, right? There's some details that have been filled in, and if you like really piece into that, you will probably find that there's actually some, some conflict. There's actually some discrepancies. Because the measurements, as we change our tools, measurements change. Like we, we have to work out um, conflicting ideas. And we're working with hypotheses. So we're always kind of like working with conflicting ideas. And we've gone from theories about the world, like Newton's theory of, of gravitation and so forth, to Einstein's. These look very different. And so one thing that some people like raise as a concern is like if science is always changing, then how can we trust it, right? Um, certainly, how can we trust it um, compared to like an unchanging God, right? And um, so that's, a, that's a, a kind of way that people talk about this. You could also say that even if truth doesn't change, our understanding of it yeah. uh, in faith in religion Certainly yep. changes over time, and like, like they were talking about in the last series about um, women in leadership, how like the, the yeah. traditional methods we've used to interpret the Bible, right? There's different methods for getting at truth, yeah. and I definitely don't remember or <clears throat> believe exactly the same way I did when I was ten years yeah. old versus fifteen or twenty or. Yeah. And so you can look at science and you can look at faith and see that there's like a, over time, a change in understanding, hopefully moving towards mm -hmm. truth. Mm -hmm. Not always, but. So you, you like highlight something there. We have, just as we have a scientific method, we have a, a scriptural method, right? We have a method by which we read scripture. And sometimes we update that method, we say, uh, actually, we think that our old version of it had some, some errors. We need to, to refine it. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember many years ago reading a science fiction book where it was science and faith, and as time went on, they ended up ending at the exact same place okay. by different highways. Okay. It was, it, it was very enlightening <clears throat> to me as a scientist to go, yeah. oh, okay. Yeah. I like that. Um, yeah, so there's a um, there's a kind of famous quote, and I can't can't quite pull it to mind, but it's um, it was talking about the Big Bang, and it was um, looking at the Big Bang as a scientific theory. <laughs> it's talking about this idea that um, that scientists have like climbed this pinnacle, this peak of knowledge, and come to the final conclusion and realization, and it's that the world began. Uh, and th at this, you know, moment in history, and they said, you know, like you find a, a team of theologians who've been sitting there for centuries, mm -hmm. right? 
And um, so this is one of the ideas that um, I call it the convergence hypothesis, that actually, yeah, science and, and religion are, are rediscovering each other and, and working towards, which is what you would expect if we're working towards the truth, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, questions of, of why and sort of questions of, of values and so forth kind of go along with that, right? And um, the comment about like visible versus invisible seems to kind of relate to that, right? And so, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's that's the irrelevance, right? Like that's um, that's where you know Hawking um, had some interesting ideas about whether you could prove or disprove God, but but ultimately he concludes like just unnecessary. Like we don't we don't need that. Uh, I forget who said I, I have no need for that hypothesis, right? So so um, uh, that is one way that people think about what what science actually does for us. It solves many of the the problems of, of religion. There's actually a show out called Mrs. Davis. It's about a nun who's fighting a rogue AI. And um, I've only watched the first like three episodes or something, but there's this thing where this person prays, uh, is praying to God um, that, uh, that he can find this thing his, his late wife uh, lost. And um, so he tells this to the nun, and she says, okay, I'm going to pray for you. But before she gets the opportunity to pray for him, um, the AI comes in and solves the, that problem, right? answers his prayer. And, and so the, the guy says like, uh, to the nun, oh, you answered my prayer. And she's like, I'm sorry, I had nothing to do with that. It's the, this AI, right? And the kind of thing that the, the show is like, um, leaving us with is like does does AI answer prayers better than God does right like, that's the, sort of the question uh, well and so I, I I think that's that's a real question we have to um, uh, in our culture uh, grapple with like you know a lot of the things that we thought we needed to turn to religion for we think we have now gotten solved in some different way approved human trials on brain-computer interfaces and the end result of brain-computer interfaces is like where the computer starts doing some of our thinking for us right like um, and lots of other things coming out of that but yeah we're moving very quickly and that raises 
Like it re-raises all of those kinds of questions about afterlife and immortality and all those kinds of things in a new context. Oh yeah. <laughs> I also heard on that same note last week, and it was on NPR that I heard it, that um, they have, in animal studies, they've taken cells in, like, in, 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 let's say, a rat, and they've made a sperm and an egg cell in the same rat, and oh. then uh, joined them, yeah. and then put them into the rat, yeah. and the rat has given birth to normal children, normal yeah. little rats. And then they're like, what are the, like, do you have your own, I don't know. Yeah. What, did you hear about that? Uh, no, I haven't, but I'm not, I'm it's, not surprised, yeah. They're not doing human trials yet, but I mean, it yeah. was like, that's crazy. Yeah. And just procreate, like, not needing. Yeah. It's crazy. The biotechnology is moving fast, and, and AI is going to make it move a lot faster. I was hoping for this lull because I wanted to ask everyone to take a minute to look at the notes. And these, I actually made these for us to talk about later, he and I. But I see something here that it bothers me, if I'm honest, just to be completely honest, it bothers me a little bit. Can you see some sort of disconnect between science and faith? I'll just say it. Heck. Everybody associated truth with science, mm. but not doctrine, or not even relationship. And I think that's interesting. It's like we, we assume that's truth, but nobody associated truth with these things. And yet, now that I've brought it up, how many of you are like, well, no, 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 I, 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 I think we teach some true doctrine, or uh, no, I, I think my wife really loves me most of the time. Or, you know, I mean, I think, I think if I press you, you're going to say, yeah, those things have truth. But it did not jump to your mind. Well, let me, you're, let me kind of call out, if it, maybe it's just an edit to the notes, because I was the one that first said truth. I said science is, is, science is searching for truth. I think faith is searching for truth also. So it's not, I didn't mean to imply that science is the truth, because that's... You know, I, I did that yeah. just for yeah. me. That, yeah, that, was, that was not meant so, for you. <laughs> I, so I would say both are, I, I, I would disagree with the conflict. It's interesting, however. I would say no, because the truth is in both camps, because that's the goal of both camps. Mm -hmm. I would say, on that note, back to my comment about that it's what we use to improve. I don't know that the conflict comes so much as from an understanding of truth as it does from which truth we rely on to move towards improvement. Ah, where, yeah. where do we get our source of, of power or strength or understanding that we will rely on when it comes to what forms the world that we're creating for a future generation? I, I want to hear, I don't know if you have any more to say about this, but I want to hear more of your thoughts on the improvement. Like, what do you, yeah. what role do you see? So, I mean, the, the, I think part of the reason studying science um, stems from curiosity, but the, the money that we spend on the study of science is for the purpose of making our lives better. It's, it's yeah. a, I almost want to say a selfish desire, but it is, I think, in some ways God-given also to use the resources that we have in the past that we have the ability to study yeah. to move on a trajectory towards healing, towards um, using the resources that are undiscovered, towards understanding the world to know what's what's valuable for us and because those have concrete yeah. um those studyable 
factors now and concrete objectives towards where we're moving in the future, yeah. they are presentable in ways that gain um, gain interest, gain research, gain like investment. But faith, yeah. while also I think towards that same level of improvement, the reason that we grasp and grapple with faith is for the same ideals. Um, to understand a hope in the future that we're moving mm -hmm. towards, to improve ourselves, to improve our relationship with God, to improve our, our reliance on a source yeah. that moves us towards the future. But so much of that has immeasurable, um, inconcrete yeah. things when you present it to a world that hasn't seen the movement of God in ways that they want to invest in. But that comes in conflict if you hold those two things in distinction, which as Christians, you would say they are. So I, I just want to highlight this because we'll, I want to come back to it uh, in the course of this class, but many people of faith have felt exactly this, that like science is given to us as an, a way to move towards healing and improving and uplifting life, um, the life of people who suffer, the life of, of the poor, you know, the life of, of disease, all, all this kind of stuff. And that has actually driven much of science um, historically. And in, a, in that kind of pragmatism is, you know, th those pictures from the James Webb Telescope, somebody paid for that, and they paid for it under the assumption that somewhere down the line this is going to improve our lives in some significant ways, right? So that's there. Uh, real quick, and then, yeah. Yeah, I think the other part of that is, is not all science is good. Okay. The results can can be good or bad. Uh -huh. It seems like to me that faith is that which shapes the direction where it needs to go. Okay, yeah, I like that. Uh, I think eventually we're going to have to make the definition for truth because it seems like sure. modern definition is shifting toward truth is anything anybody will believe that you say. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we got to work on that one. Um, okay, so we we got just a few more minutes. So let's talk um, talk objectives. So if if these are some some prominent paths that that are ahead of us, right? That people will pursue conflict or see see it as conflict, see God as increasingly irrelevant, or um, choose to see a relationship between these things that can deepen and strengthen faith. That kind of um, suggests the objective that that I hope we can follow in this class. And that's to move from, from fear, anxiety, or apathy about science to recognizing science as part of the work of God. And recognizing science as part of the outgrowth of being made in the image of God. And recognizing science as part of the relationship that we have with our Creator. That's where I hope that we can get to. That's where I would hope that, that my son can get to. That's where I would hope that uh, anyone I, I am able to influence and get to. I think this is the one that leaves us with the ability to have a strong, meaningful, compelling, and motivating faith going forward to the future. So um, we've, we've, I was going to do questions at this point, but we've already done a lot of questions. So I just want to give a short roadmap of kind of where we're going with um, with some of these things. And um, so Lee uh, w gave us a roadmap uh, a, a few weeks ago, um, kind of a creation, fall, redemption, right? And I want to tell a similar story um, here. So 
we want to start off talking about the role of science um, as God intended, right? The role of science in the relationship of our creator, in scripture, in how God created us. Where does science fit into the scheme of things as God intended it for, to be? And then how did that play out through history? How did science and faith interact? How did faith um, in, inspire science and where did that kind of lead? And so we'll talk about the scientific revolution as we kind of move from scripture to, to talking about history and, and things like Galileo and so forth. And then we're going to talk about the fact that we now live in a world in which people see these things as very split. Right? Science and faith are no longer um, together. They have been divided. And um, something happened to make that the case, right? So I want to ask what went wrong. And then um, we want to say, like, how do we actually overcome what went wrong, uh, heal that divide, fix things, put them back together? How does God call us to do that? And then um, ultimately, how does God intend to take all of our efforts, all of our work, all of our creations, all of, of that, and uplift it into... Um, what he's doing in the kingdom of God. So what role will God ultimately have for the things that we do today, the science that, that we do today? So that's kind of the trajectory I'm going to go in this class and just kind of like putting it in a more discrete form. This is where we'll be starting. We're talking about uh, the idea of science and revelation and the image of God, where science comes from in the scriptural story. And then we'll move into talking about how um, religious reform and, and scripture actually inspired the scientific revolution. Can you put some of these on, on nets where we can get to them? Uh, I can work on that. Yeah. Um, I don't know offhand a good place to put that, but I, I can, uh, we can talk about that. Oh yeah, we've got, we've got a very small Otter Creek Facebook uh, Theology Explorers group. We might, we can, uh, if you look that up, Otter Creek Theology Explorers, uh, and join, uh, I'll post this stuff there. So, um, so this is where we're going, um, and yeah, I think that's it for we're at time. Any last questions or comments? Yeah. What uh, homework assignment would you? Oh, that, Daniel, that's your. <laughs> uh, I wanted to walk in this morning and go, okay, science is the work of the devil. Read your Bible, Um But I didn't do that. So the answer to your question is read your Bible. So we're going to talk about we're going to be talking probably about Genesis a lot. Um, I think it's it's great to look at that. Also, um, so, some favorite Psalms are Psalm 19. We'll be talking. We read that at the beginning. Um, we're going to read more of that, um, and uh, also Psalm 8. Um, Psalm 8 is really significant for the New Testament in ways that we don't often understand. And Psalm 8 has a lot to do with Genesis 1, and it has a lot to do with the kingdom of God. And so um, I would encourage you to read those things. How, yeah. many, how many weeks is the plan? And this is the first class, right? Yeah, this is the first class. Uh, what's the, do you know the, I think it's 13 weeks, go through the end of August. Yeah. Okay, so what we did is we, we mapped out 10 lessons, but we also hope to have some guest people come in, guest speakers yeah. come in. So we created a certain amount of flexibility. Um, that's why you didn't get the whole thing. And we'll also, um, like there are specific things like we had, Bi biotechnology being discussed, brought up AI, things that are happening 
that we can talk about uh, those in a, in a concrete way and really what, what ethics looks like in that, what kind of challenges those will bring up. So we'll go into some more specifics as we go along too. Um, yeah, anyway. One last question. Yeah. Could you record audio? Uh, yeah. Okay, so you may have we can post audio on the website. We can post slides there along the audio. Okay. Okay. Very cool. Will you tell us next week about being in a boy band? <laughs> uh oh. Uh, <laughs> Class dismissed. Thank you. <laughs> that's, that's when we discuss miracles. <laughs> Thank you, guys. <laughs>